NASCAR fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Another long off-season is over, and now it's time to go racing. It's the start of the 2023 NTT IndyCar Series season this weekend on the streets of St. Petersburg, Florida. It begins Friday with practice, continues Saturday with knockout qualifications, culminating with the Firestone Fast 6, and reaches its crescendo with Sunday's Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. It's IndyCar's version of Spring Break, and can be seen Sunday at 12 noon Eastern Time on NBC. Pit Pass Indy has an action-packed preview of the upcoming season, featuring some of the biggest names in the NTT IndyCar Series paddock. Those include six-time IndyCar Series champion Scott Dixon, Arrow McLaren's dynamic duo of Pato Award of Mexico and new to the team in 2023, Alexander Rossi, the winner of the 100th Indianapolis 500 at Andretti Autosport. Also joining us is 2021 Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg winner and championship contender Colton Herta of Andretti Autosport. 2008 St. Pete winner Graham Rahal of Rahal Letterman Lanigan Racing, Kyle Kirkwood of Andretti Autosport, and IndyCar rookie driver Stingray Rob of Dale Coyne Racing. So many big names, so little time. So let's get right to it with my exclusive interview with IndyCar great Scott Dixon for Pit Pass Indy. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is the six-time NTT IndyCar Series champion. It's Scott Dixon of Chip Ganassi Racing. Getting ready to start another season of IndyCar. I believe it'll be your 21st or 22nd season since you've been driving IndyCars. Uh, yeah, maybe a couple more. I think it's my 21st or 22nd with Chip, so I think I did... Uh Oh, at least one before that. But yeah, definitely uh, looking forward to it. It's been a, a long off season, I think, for, for a lot of us. You know, luckily I've had the IMSA program to, to run uh, with that and some uh, endurance testing and, and races. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think everybody's looking forward to this time and getting back in the IndyCar and, and looking forward to, you know, getting on track here in St. Pete soon. You were talking about your lengthy time driving for Chip Ganassi Racing last year at Portland. You got a chance to spend time with your first team owner. Bruce McCaw of West. you were just a kid when you joined that team. And when you think back to what Bruce McCaw meant to your career, how do you describe how important that was for this teenager, basically, from New Zealand to be able to get a chance to get his first ride in what was then the kart series? Yeah, it's good to see, you know, Bruce still coming to, uh, you know, uh, several of the races. I think he always tries to make Indy maybe for qualifying or a little bit of practice and then, 
you know, Portland's close to, to where where he uh, where he's based in Seattle. So um, yeah, it's always good to catch up with him and and uh, kind of reminisce a little bit and and definitely a you know a turning point in my career, especially on the Indy Lights side and then and then unfortunately you know the the PacWest uh, portion of the team or, or IndyCar side kind of shut down uh you know a little bit early i guess in in some ways of when i first joined that team so yeah it's it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun a lot of things have happened since then but uh, definitely a, a you know a, a key uh, a key person i think in, in the direction that um that i went once again the season starts at the firestone grand prix of st petersburg this year will be march 5th indycar tried something different at the beginning of this year by having their annual pre-season open test which many of us still call spring training it was at the Thermal Club in Thermal, California, which is out in the Palm Springs area. What did you think of the race course, and what did you think of the entire facility at the Thermal Club and the prospects that maybe one day there'll be an IndyCar race there? Yeah, I think they, they talked uh, you know, about this place for, for quite some time and just trying to, to get something out here, and, and obviously... Uh, a huge thanks to everybody at Thermal for you know for for getting it going and and obviously you know having that uh, preseason testing there you know not super beneficial I think as far as a, a testing uh, you know facility for tracks that we go to you know that's the hard part it's quite it's quite unique and a lot of these you know these these circuits are, are like that uh, very long kind of hairpins a lot of you know slow you know D-cell radius corners that you know uh, are good for road cars, but maybe not so similar to a lot of the tracks that we go to. But um, still, still good to be out here. It's fifty percent of our road course testing or more for the year, which um, you know is is uh, is definitely a lot of it, just because we don't test that much anymore. So it's been uh, you know I think a, a great introduction to to you know Palm Springs, and and uh, you know it's always fun to to come to a new circuit. The course had an awful lot of Armco barrier, uh, which other people refer to as guardrail. There were some tire barriers. There's no safer barriers or concrete walls. Obviously, if IndyCar was going to come back here and have an actual event, that would need to be addressed, wouldn't it? Uh, I think there's always, you know, uh, safety areas that you can make a little bit better. It does take, you know, I think to get cars on track and maybe some different eyes for, for reference to you know, see where there may be an area that you can get to, or even, you know, during the test there, you know, seeing if cars can get off in areas that you maybe didn't think of. So, yeah, I think, you know, the, the hardest part here would be just uh, the straight time very long. So I think as far as raceability would be quite tough, you know, uh, it's got long corners. So, you know, obviously degradation would come into that factor and, and maybe would, would create some of that. You know, we, we had that at Barber where we first went there and thought it was going to be, you know, particularly bad race, but it actually worked out that it was going to, you know, it, it turned into to be a really good one. So, you know, uh, we'll see where that goes, you know, uh, see what markets they're looking for. Um, you know, I don't think it'd be a market where you're looking for for people to come and watch. You know, there's no grandstands here. There's a, you know a lot of different things that um, you would potentially uh, look at at this event for something different. The uh, homes around here are pretty expensive. They're five million dollar homes. Uh, some of the places. This is really a private resort, country club type thing for the automotive enthusiasts, uh, people that are into motorsports and are into the automotive industry. Have you had a chance to check out any of the homes around? thermal 
Yeah, not during the test, but I, I did. Uh, I was out uh, in Palm Springs doing an event for PNC at one of the the resorts here, and and uh, you know stepped out in December to come and you know have a look at the circuits and the facility, and it is world class. You know, it's beautiful out here with the restaurants they've got. You know, the casitas. You know, kind of the the hotel portion of the track. Uh, there's everything on site here that, that you would you know you would ever need. So you know, uh, it's definitely very special in that way. Obviously, the homes are a, a, a different thing over here, where you know you've got. Um, you know, I think five million dollars is probably get you. I don't know if there's one that cheap. To be honest, I think I think an entry level. You know, you're, you're talking north of seven million dollars. So definitely a, a prime piece of, of real estate, and and um, you know, very cool that you can kind of wake up at the track and, and drive straight out and get on the track. You know, at seven in the morning. I think I heard people you know driving their their cars around here. So uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty special place, and and um, you know, uh, it's, it's it's great to to you know have the opportunity to go out there and drive on a track like that. IndyCar officials announced at the beginning of the season that they will do away with the double points that were paid at the Indianapolis 500. It's going to revert to a single points system like all the other races. Do you like that? Uh, I don't think it changes too much. You know, I think um, the ups and downs are kind of what everybody weathers throughout the season. I think it can favor you. You know, uh, you can make a massive jump, um, you know, at that point. Um, you know, I think it kind of cancelled itself out when you had double points for, you know, the 500, then you had double for, you know, for the finale. So, you know, I guess this cancels all of it out. So, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not a, you know, I don't have a big concern either way of, of how, how it is. Obviously going into the season knowing, you know, what the, the point situation is, is the same for everybody and, and you got to end uh, the season with the most points. So, um, yeah, not a big deal. A team owner was telling me, it might be, that since double points started in 2014, the winner of the Indianapolis 500 during that time never went on to win the IndyCar title. So in a lot of ways, I guess that it really didn't have that dramatic of an impact. Yeah, but I think for a majority of that too, it was also uh, double points for the finale too. So, you know, that 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 uh, I think enabled some people to come in. And, and I know during our period of time, we, we won uh, a championship, uh, you know, I think with the double points at the end there. So, you know, it's... Uh, I don't think it changes too much. I think, you know, it's it's fine. But it would really hurt a driver that's a points contender that would have a bad finish at Indy because a 33-car starting lineup, including some drivers that are taking positions ahead of them that aren't full-time IndyCar Series drivers for the season. Yeah, I think the last two years that we've had coming out of Indy with, you know, um, you know, worse than 20th place, you know, really, really hurts. And, and you know, it's, it's a, I think I lost 72 points alone to, to Marcus maybe at that race, um, which is, you know, a race and a half of maximum points. So, yeah, it, it, it uh, but you know that going into the season, all I care about is that you know what, uh, what the rules are and you race the rules as they are, but I don't think it's going to be a defining factor. IndyCar is making an investment on increased marketing. Some of that will be uh, invested by some of the team owners. I've had some team owners tell me it's for a good reason so they don't have a problem with it. You've been a driver who's been a star all these years, and I'm sure that you, the one thing that you would have liked to have seen IndyCar do better is better job at marketing. So how do you feel that, that now that's a major part of their agenda? Yeah, I think it's great. You know, it's great for, for building the series. I think IndyCar should have been up front and saying where the actual money was coming from, from the teams, not not uh, them themselves investing it. Um, but, you know, I think it's it's right no matter which way you look at it. You know, they needed to put the money in. They need to, uh, you know, work hard on that. I think we saw that from kind of the spring 
spring training side to uh, what they've been telling us, you know, kind of behind doors to, you know, what we're doing for, for advertising and all that kind of stuff. So kudos to, to everybody for, for pushing on that. Um, you know, I think it's, it's going to help everybody in the long run. It's definitely going to help raise the game of, of IndyCar, which, you know, we all know it's a fantastic product. It's just getting it in front of people. You're at the stage of your career where the only man in front of you for the most victories and the most championships is A.J. Foyt. So how confident are you that you can tie him this year with seven IndyCar Series championships? It's always the goal, you know, is to go over after another championship. You know, first up for us will be, you know, trying to, to win another Indy 500. Um, you know, it was fantastic what, what the team did last year. Uh, definitely had, uh, you know, great cars and, and you know, so happy for, for Marcus to capture his first. And, and you know, for myself, I'll, I'll be trying as hard as possible to, to get a second. Um, but, yeah, we'll get to that stage first. And then, and then of course, we'll be fighting as hard as possible to, to grab that seventh championship. Do you have 14 more wins left in you? Because if you get 14 more victories, then you'll tie him for most victories in an IndyCar career. Yeah, that's a lot. You know, you definitely got to get on a roll. I would say these days it's, you know, getting, uh, you know, getting two, three or four is, is pretty, uh, is a pretty great season. And, and most likely you would win a championship, I think, being in, in that situation. So, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see what comes. Obviously, we'll be fighting every race and, and going for the win. And, and uh, you know, maybe in a couple of years we'll be a little bit closer. We'll have to see. And how big a goal is it for you to get Indy 500 win number two? Uh, it's yeah, it's at the top. You know, it's where it's where uh, where we want to be. You know, we're in the we're in the uh, you know the business of winning races, and and uh, that's the biggest race that we go to. And um, for sure, I know for for myself and for the team, that's that's one that uh, we'd love to get. Well, Scott Dixon from all of us at Pit Pass Indy, good luck in the 2023 NTT IndyCar Series season, and thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Next up is Pato Award of Monterey, Mexico. The Aero McLaren driver is once again expected to battle for the championship and the Indianapolis 500 victory. Award joins me on this Pit Pass Indy exclusive interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is one of the stars of IndyCar's Pato Award of Aero McLaren Racing. Pato, another big season is about to start in IndyCar. You're going to be one of the drivers fighting it out for the championship. So what is your outlook and attitude heading into 2023? Uh, anxious to get started, man. I'm, um, you know, we've had a, a really long off season. Um, we're about to you know, to, to get our very little days of testing that we've, that we've got before the season and, and then straight into St. Pete. Uh, I've always enjoyed going to St. Pete. I think it's a great place to, to start the season. And, you know, we've, we've got ambitions, obviously, just like everyone else. Um, but I think we'll just take it day by day, right? I think, you know, the, the year, the season will throw challenges at you that you don't expect. So I think you need to be um, flexible, agile, uh, adaptive to those and and just really take it um, day by day and and optimize your your opportunities. Do you believe that the key for you in 2023 is the ability to close more races and be more consistent? Because there were times where you'd be up there battling for a victory and maybe toward the end somebody else might have a better pit stop or a different race strategy. That that's really a key element for you in 2023. Um, I mean, I think those situations are racing, right? You know, you won't always get it right on strategy. You won't always get it right in the pit stops. But um, 
ultimately what we need to really minimize is is the DNFs, which which were a huge hit to our championship last year. So um, I think that's that's you know taking those away, we're we're you know we're in the fight. You know, there's going to be a new leader at Arrow McLaren this year. It's Gavin Ward who joined the team toward the end of last season. Actually, was able to. Joined the team earlier than that, but wasn't allowed to be on the pit stand until toward the end of the season. Taylor Kyle has moved on to Chip Ganassi Racing. What's it like working with Gavin? Gavin, he's a great leader. I'm a big fan of Gavin because other than just having, um, you know, obviously the the hunger for performance and to making the, the cars go quicker, he, he has a really good uh, mindset and outlook on uh, what you do outside of the car and the track. Uh, in how to get that performance, and I think that that plays a big part into um, into the preparation of everybody. You know, whether it's diet, mental, uh, physical, whatever it might be, he he puts a lot of emphasis on that, and and I do as well. I mean, I do it from day to day on my activities, and you for sure see a a difference in in performance and just in enjoyment whenever you're doing this. Because at the end of the day, if you're not enjoying it, then why are you doing this? And how about personality-wise? Gavin seems to be a, a fairly easygoing guy, but when it's time to do business, he's all business. Yeah, he gets along with everybody. Everybody uh, loves him, and um, I think everybody's really stoked to have him as, is you know, as part of the leadership team at, at our McLaren. And um, we're all super excited to continue working with him. Three-car team this year. It's going to be yourself, and you're back with Felix Rosenquist, but new to the team is Alexander Rossi. Alexander Rossi's had a lot of great accomplishments in his career, including winning the 100th Indianapolis 500 in 2016. Now that Aero McLaren is a three-car operation, how do you see the dynamic of all that working out and the ability to get more feedback? We're growing, we're growing, and uh, I think it's a good thing. There's so many, you know, other than... Obviously, and you know, Alex joining us, we have uh, mechanics, we have engineers, we have a uh, marketing department growing. So every the, the team is growing as a whole, and um, I'm excited to see all this new talent in in their you know in their groove, right in their zone, and and doing their thing. I think uh, we had already a great group of people, and we just keep adding on to that. So it's just gonna it's gonna help the the atmosphere and the workflow, I guess you can call it. So, yeah, I'm, I think we're all on the same page. Joining the team for the Indianapolis 500 will be Tony Kanaan, a driver that's had tremendous accomplishments, former IndyCar Series champion in 2004, won the Indianapolis 500 in 2013. Working with TK, how exciting is that for you? Ah, he's great. Um, you know, someone that I grew up watching and he's been in the series longer than I've been alive. So that, I think that speaks for itself. And um, he's a great guy to have around. So I think we're all really excited to work with him. We're starting to see much more of a McLaren influence at Aero McLaren Racing. It began as Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports, but now it's really mostly a McLaren operation. To be able to have the synergy between the Formula One team and the IndyCar team with technology and engineering and things. How valuable is that? It's very valuable. It's very different. Um, both series have very different ways of, of I guess, approaching approaching the engineering side, uh, we can call it. You know, in IndyCar, we don't have none of the aero that's that's open, but we do have the suspension and a lot of work goes into the dampers. So there's a lot of more things that, 
that uh, that IndyCar really focuses focuses on uh, compared to Formula One. Formula One is very aero oriented, so they're two very different ways of of uh, developing a race car. Um, but obviously, all that resources can just help us because Gavin Ward comes from a Formula One background. Do you guys speak the same language in terms of? technological setup and engineering or does he bring different ways to look at things when it comes to engineering? I think he brings uh, ideas, creative ideas and uh, ultimately that's that's what we need you know f- you know two pairs or four pairs or five pairs of eyes are better than just one pair right so uh, I think uh, in in a collective manner everybody working together it's uh, it's just gonna make us you know come up with with those little things that we need to improve on and and, and find the answers you know. How inspiring is it to have Zach Brown as your boss? Because he seems to be a guy that if you hook up with Zach Brown, he can take you to some big places. What's awesome about Zach is that other than, you know, he's a boss to to many drivers, but he he's a race fan and he understands what it's like to be in the in the race seat. Um, he doesn't get in the way of of um, you know, of you driving the car. He just um you know, worries about the other stuff. And he, and he's a fan of his own drivers. And I think that's very important. He, he genuinely uh, just loves to race and to win, uh, whether it's IndyCar, Formula One, Formula E, Extreme E. Uh, I mean, man, we can be racing bumper cars and the guy would love it. Just, um, he's just an absolute race fan. And I think that's what makes, makes it so good to have around because, you can't make someone have a passion for something. And he for sure is one of the most passionate. You've been a strong proponent of increased marketing by IndyCar. They're going to initiate this year, 100 Days to Indy, the docuseries that's going to be on the CW. How excited are you to see that project and also some of the other things that they tend to do marketing-wise to help the sport grow? It's awesome to see. Uh, we're taking the steps in the right direction and um I will certainly do my best into helping that and into, um, you know, showing it off to to the public that that don't really know about IndyCar because it's an amazing sport. It's an amazing series and um, it's definitely worth finding out more of. I know that you're focused on IndyCar in 2023. You've also made it well known that you really want a chance at Formula One. You're a Formula One test driver for McLaren F1. Do you feel a certain urgency to win the championship in 2023. Uh, we'll take it day by day and we'll see uh, We'll see how we start racking up the points. And last question, you came so close to winning the Indianapolis 500 last year. How often do you replay those last laps and is there anything that you would have done differently? Uh, not much. I'm focused on, uh, on how to put myself in that position again this year and uh, yeah, the elusive 500 win. That's what we're all going for. Pat O'Ward, he's one of the big stars of IndyCar at Aero McLaren Racing. Good luck this season, and thank you for joining us on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you very much. O'Ward has two teammates at Aero McLaren in 2023. Felix Rosenquist of Sweden is back for another season. The team expands to a three-car operation this year with former Andretti Autosport star Alexander Rossi joining the operation. A change of scenery may do Rossi some good, as he explains to me in this exclusive Pit Pass Indy interview. 
Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is a longtime guest of the show, except this time will be the first time he joins the show as a member of Errol McLaren Racing. It's Alexander Rossi. New team, new outlook, new season. It's 2023. How excited are you? Uh, I'm excited. We're good to go racing soon. Um, it's been a long off season. Obviously, that's the same for everyone, but especially this year in terms of um, switching organizations, it's I've been itching to get in the car. So glad that we're finally at that point. The thing that strikes me about Errol McLaren is as far as you began your career, you were an American in Formula One for a while with Manor Racing. There's a little bit more of a McLaren influence now with the IndyCar team. You've got Gavin Ward, who's going to be the race director. So in a lot of ways, does this fit your personality and style a little bit better from your early days in racing? Um, yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it, probably. You know, I think that certainly there's there's a there's kind of a European methodology and approach that that does exist in the organization, um, but still very much being an IndyCar team. You know, you you don't run an IndyCar team like you would run an F1 team, but there is a certain amount of structure and detail orientation um, that they have that's that's very similar to what I had in Europe. When you were with the Manor F1 team, did you have much interaction with? Zach Brown at that time, because he was involved in a lot of different Formula One projects before he became the CEO at McLaren F1. Um, I knew Zach from his time, you know, at his previous company, uh, JMI. Um, so that's that's where I knew him from. But no, I didn't really have any dealings with him in terms of anything to do with my race career or F1. He was just more also another American that was on that side of the pond trying to get stuff done. Zach Brown is a guy who's got big ideas. He wants to take the sport to even greater levels. Some people might use the term disruptor to describe a, a new breed of team owner. Do you see that with Zach? Um, you know, I think Zach is just, he's a racer at heart, right? He, he obviously still competes in racing himself. Um, he loves the sport, he has such an amazing passion for it, and obviously his his prior career, um, in in terms of who he is as a person and his ability to be um, a leader and a spokesperson and and someone who kind of inspires you know progress. You know, I think he's a, he's a great guy for that, and someone that we're very fortunate um, to have in charge of the organization. When you think of the great names that have driven from McLaren in Formula One and in the Indianapolis Five Hundred. Now, Alexander Rossi is one of those names. How big of an honor do you feel? No, it's 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 a huge honor, uh, one that I'm very grateful for. It's also a, a big responsibility, right? The, the McLaren brand um, precedes uh, all, everything that I've done in my career. And, you know, they're, they're a brand that's synonymous with performance. And that's something that, you know, is going to require all of us to, to A, keep in mind, but continually um, evolve ourselves and, and push ourselves forward to, to reach new heights because we are representing one of the most iconic brands in, in all motorsports. How important was it for you to get a fresh start and a new opportunity? Um, you know, I, it's, it's great to have, uh, this, this new chapter in my career. And, you know, like I said, I'm very much looking forward to getting started. I'm, I'm very grateful for all of the time that I had at Andretti Autosport and, and Michael and Brian and JF and, and a lot of those guys there are still um, people that I think very highly of and, and are and I'm close friends with. So, you know, it was it was at the point where it was time for a change. And, and again, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be at Aaron McLaren. You've got two young drivers. You're also a young driver yourself, but 
very aggressive driver in Paddle Award, maybe more of a aggressive and cerebral type driver with Felix Rosenquist. How do you see the three driver lineup at Arrow McLaren? There, there could be a good chance that all three of you could achieve some pretty impressive results this year. Yeah, I think that's the plan. You know, we we aren't really setting objectives other than, you know, trying to make sure every single weekend we're performing at our highest possibility. And if we can do that week in and week out, then we want to have all three cars in the fight. And obviously, we are three unique individuals. Um, but I think certainly we've already started to work very well together. And there's a good chemistry and dynamic that exists. And I think that'll carry throughout the entire season on and off the track. Although it's a new team, you're going to be reunited with Craig Hampson working on your particular car. Craig, of course, was an Andretti Autosport working on a lot of special projects. Very well-known, very bright, very innovative. What's it like having Craig Hampson as your secret weapon? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, it's great to be able to work with Craig again. You know, he's someone that I have an immense amount of respect for, um, someone that I got to work with for, for a short period of time um, when I first started my career. And I think his, his track record speaks for, for itself in terms of what he's accomplished and, and who he's been able to work with and find success with. So that was a very important um, decision or part of my decision um, when, when I made the, the move to this, this organization and, and thrilled to be able to finally get the chance to work one-on-one with him. At your stage of your career, there really isn't such a thing as a transition year. I'm sure you enter 2023 saying, challenge for the championship, win races, win the Indy 500. Is that the attitude you're taking into 2023? No, like I said, we're taking in the the outlook of we just need to make sure that every single weekend we're, we're doing what we need to do as a group. And if we do that, the rest will take care of itself. Indianapolis 500, you want it your first time out. You probably should have won it two or three more times. You had a chance there and really put on a show those years. That I know sometimes you say your best Indy 500s were the ones that you didn't win as far as racing. But how much does that race drive you? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the big one, right? So in terms of the emotional connection that we all have with that track and, and that event, you know, it, it grows every single year. I think for all of us, you know, every single time that we get the opportunity to, to compete in it, you know, it's also one year closer to not being able to do it anymore. Right. So it's, um, you, you take everyone, um, as its own event and, and you try and always make sure that on that day you're, you're performing at your highest level, not only for yourself, but you know, the, the whole team and, and everyone makes, and wants to have their best day on Memorial Day at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's the big one for the partners, the manufacturers. So certainly it's one that we're uh, counting down the days on the calendar, but at the same time, there are 16 other races in the championship that you have to perform as well. Speaking of 16 other races on the championship, one of those is on March 5th, the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. It's earned its spot on the schedule as a very special race, a race everybody looks forward to. It's the start of the season. How excited do you get when you go to St. Pete? Um, yeah, I mean, very excited. I think it's a, um, a fantastic event. The, the The turnout and the energy is always fantastic. Um, you know, it's it's an amazing place to be able to kick off the, the calendar. It's it's a challenging track. It's it's a long race. You know, there's always a lot of kind of variables that come into play there. So um, it's certainly one that, that we love going to, but we love it the most just because it is round one and we're finally getting the season underway. 
you're a driver who can benefit from increased marketing and exposure, and IndyCar seems to be taking those steps, especially with the docu-series 100 Days to May, which will be on the CW. That's probably one of the greatest things of the docu-series, the fact it's going to be on an over-the-air major network. How big a role do you plan on being part of that, and how excited are you to see where it takes IndyCar? Yeah, I think we were all incredibly excited when when this was announced back in December. Um, you know, the partnership with with Vice Media and obviously CW and, and 100 Days Indy is going to be an amazing look into the the sport from kind of the behind closed doors, if you will. And and I think that you know certainly um, it's going to be up to us as as drivers and teams to to be open and, and share. You know, as as much as you're kind of allowed to share in terms of your preparation going into the 500 and, and what that race means. And and every driver is going to have a, a little bit different of an approach. So I think it'll give fans a really unique perspective as to who we are as individuals and not just racing drivers. And as we get prepared for 2023, is this as rejuvenated as you've felt since joining IndyCar the first season? Uh, no, I don't think that's fair to say, but, you know, certainly very excited and, and it's going to be an amazing new chapter in the book. And um, like I said, thankful and, and very excited to get started. Alexander Rossi accomplished a lot of great things with Andretti Autosport. I'm sure you'll accomplish even more great things with Errol McLaren. Good luck in 2023. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. No worries. Thank you very much. Colton Herta of Andretti Autosport drove to victory on the streets of St. Petersburg in a dominating performance in 2021. He hopes to repeat that domination in 2023 as the son of former IndyCar driver Brian Herta is back for another Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg this weekend. Colton Herta joins me for this exclusive Pit Pass Indy interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is one of the real star drivers of the NTT IndyCar Series. It's Colton Hurt of Andretti Autosport. Colton, kind of hard to believe you're starting your fifth year in IndyCar. Does it seem like it's been that long or has the time just flown right on by? No, it, it does not seem like it's been that long. It's, it's pretty crazy to think that I'm going into my fifth year. Um, I feel like I'm going into my second year. But um, no, it's been great to, to be a part of the series for this long and, and have some success. It's been a, a lot of fun. You are the all-time youngest winning driver in IndyCar Series history. That victory, of course, came in 2019 at Coda. And when you reflect back on that day, at that time you were really still just a kid. Now you're still a kid, but you're a little bit older, 22. How much different are you as a person and as a driver from that day when you won at Coda? Yeah, for sure, more experienced. Um, you know, I think that day could have gone a lot differently with uh, with what I know now, and uh, maybe been a little bit more competitive before you know Alex and Will dropped out. Um, so, no, but it was uh, it was an amazing day. I'll never forget it. At 22 years old, now you are the elder statesman in terms of tenure at Andretti Autosport. Roman Grosjean is older, but you've been with the team longer. Do you see Andretti Autosport as having a youth movement this season? Uh, I hope so, because if, if it isn't, then we're probably not doing a good job. we got a lot of young guys, so 
Um, no, I'm, I'm confident, you know, it's young team, but it's a lot of guys that have a lot of potential. So, um, I'm hoping that I can do the best I can for the team and everybody can kind of follow in suit and do the best that they can also. Even though Devlin DeFrancesco is back for a second year, Kyle Kirkwood is back for his first year with Andretti Autosport. You're very familiar with them because they ran in what is now known as the Indy Next series for Andretti Autosport. What is the uh, potential that you see those two drivers having? And when you work with younger drivers, do you have a little bit more of a kinship with them? Well, they're both older than me. So it's not like I'm working with younger drivers, but I guess younger in the series in that aspect. But um, Younger in terms of experience. experience. But um, yeah, I mean, it's... I think we're we're relatively all all similar, you know. It's um, we all grew up racing go karts against each other, um, and you know Kyle and Devlin were more on the the East Coast, but we still shared a few races in the middle um, that we got to race against each other. So I've known them for a very long time. So very fortunate to have them as teammates, and looking forward to it. Winner of seven IndyCar Series races in four seasons, what would you consider a successful year in year five? It needs to be a championship, really. You know, um, I've been here for a while and and um, really need to be fighting for a championship in that last round. Um, to go along with it, a couple of wins would be great, you know, and always striving for a 500. Um, but the focus has to be on, on winning the championship. And because of the dynamics of the team and the way drivers have shuffled in and shuffled out, how much more responsibility do you feel being the team leader? Uh, I think it'll be similar, you know. I think everybody brings their own thing to the team, and and obviously I've been there for for a little bit longer, so maybe I know the operation side a little bit better than some people. But um, you know, it seems very open and and grateful for feedback, and um, that's the most important thing. If they can set down fast laps that I can use and look at the data and also give great feedback, then it, I don't see a problem with uh, with them coming in. It's going to be a great team dynamic. Of course, the biggest race of the year happens at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway every Memorial Day weekend. How much do you think about what it would mean to your career to win that, the Indianapolis 500? It would it would be amazing. It's hard to it's hard to think about what it would feel like uh, without doing it. But um, you know, it's a race that we all strive to strive to win every year, and it's why we put in so much work. Um, but yeah, it's so far we haven't had great success there in the races. So uh, really need to turn that around and, and hopefully have a good one this year. The fact that your father, Brian Herta, former IndyCar race winner himself, calls your race strategy. Are there moments on the radio where it's kind of like father and son talking more than race strategist and race driver? Uh, sometimes, but I think that's the same with, with everybody. You know, it happens. It happens. People get heated. Um I guess for some reason it just shows up when when I do it more than when anybody else does it. Are there times where you wish you took something back on the radio that you may have radioed back to your father? Yeah, maybe, but like it's it's hard to say. Yeah. Uh, of course, there's a lot of speculation about your career. Uh, you want to run in Formula One, definitely want to get a ride there one day. Last year you told me, you're focusing on IndyCar this year. Whatever happens in Formula One will happen. You're still a very young driver. But it seems like your team owner, Michael Andretti, is getting closer to clicking off all the boxes. He's introduced Cadillac as the partner for the program. How exciting would it be to take the starting grid of a Formula One race and a Cadillac, an American brand, for the first time in Formula One? It would be amazing. There's a lot of key key people involved, and obviously having Mark Royce involved from from Chevrolet and Cadillac, and um, Michael has has been 
on this for for many many years now and it's gone unreported for many years but he's been trying to do this for for a long long time and um you know there's a lot of key players like mark and and dan towers from gamebridge that that have you know helped propel this forward and i think that we're all grateful for for the coverage that we've been getting for it but um now we need to see if it's uh if it's feasible, if they'll let him in. You're a Honda driver. Honda's meant an awful lot to your career. If you go to Formula One, it would be switching brands and running in the Cadillac. But just to think of the two auto manufacturers that you've been involved with, how much is it just so cool to think of what you've learned from Honda? Um, yeah, it's it's been amazing. You know, I've known a lot of the guys at HPD where they make the IndyCar and IMSA engines for for a long time because I grew up in the town that, that they were built in. So um, it's it's been amazing. I know a lot of the guys at the factory, I spend some time there when I can. Um, and, and yeah, they've done a lot for me in my career, my short career. And um, But yeah, it's been amazing. You're a former winner of the Firestone Grand Prix at St. Petersburg. You live in Florida now. That race kicks off the season on March the 5th. How excited and how anxious are you to see the start of the season? I know it's about it's about time. I feel like I've been sitting around for way too long, not doing anything. So it's great that it's coming around, and um, I'm happy that that we have the chance to go back to St. Pete. It's an awesome kickoff event for for IndyCar, and it packs a lot of action. Colton Herta, one of the stars of the NTT IndyCar series. Good luck this season, and thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck... Whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or, for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, 
But this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Graham Rahal has the rare distinction of driving to victory in his first ever IndyCar Series race in 2008. It came on the streets of St. Petersburg after the Champ Car Series was dissolved and its teams joined the old Indy Racing League to create today's IndyCar Series. Fifteen years later, Ray Hall is back for another try and he anchors Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing. Ray Hall joins me to discuss a variety of topics, including his thoughts on former Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields of the Chicago Bears and C.J. Stroud, who is preparing for the NFL draft this spring. Here is another exclusive interview with Ray Hall on Pit Pass Indy. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is Graham Rahal, Rahal Letterman Lanigan Racing. Graham, you've moved into a beautiful new shop up in Zionsville. It's really first class, really major league. Your father showed me around there at the end of October. Do you think just being in that new shop will automatically elevate the performance level of the overall team? Because it really is first class. Well, I don't think, you know, just moving a shop necessarily will elevate you, you know, um, uh, you know, you've got to utilize the assets and, and uh, the tools that the shop has. Now, I do think, you know, that aspect of it, we have uh, utilized really well in the two months that we've been there. I think across the board, our guys are, you know, super motivated. And I think being there motivates them because they they see the facility, they see the commitment uh, on behalf of the owners to, uh, you know, to to make this thing even more successful. So that certainly does help for sure. But it certainly has to be a pretty good feeling to go to work every day when you go into the shop, your old shop in Brownsburg. There wasn't even a sign on the door that yeah. said it was Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing. You had to know which door to knock on to enter the shop. You can definitely tell the shop on this one yeah. because it's a beautiful showpiece. So just you're not lacking for any resources. No, I think, you know, there's still things that we've got to get in the facility. But space-wise, no, we've got the space to do to do it all. Uh, like I just said, you know, I think we're, we're still, you know, frankly, we moved in and, and uh, you know, end of October. Uh, I wouldn't say we were really settled until maybe this last little bit, you know, last few weeks. I think there was... Uh, last time I went to the shop, you know, it looked like everything was kind of put in the right places and stuff. But up until that point, it was still pretty spread out. So, you know, to me, um, you know, I think it's a beautiful facility for sure. You you know who we are and you know where we're at. But, uh, you know, it'll be a great asset uh, for our program, you know, going forward. And, you know, not only for IndyCar, but sports car and, and for a variety of other things that could come in the future. You could certainly tell that it's your father's baby. He's really proud of that facility, as is his partner, Michael Lanigan. Well, I mean, you, you know, you would be too, right? I, I think we all would be. And, uh, uh, well, I am, I can tell you that. I mean, I don't have any involvement in it, but I, I certainly look at it and, you know, it's, uh, it's beautiful. It's a spectacular facility. So, uh, you know, he, dad does take a lot of pride in it. Um, you know, he's excited about it and, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, 
you know, hopefully we can keep growing the team and, and give it some longevity. Now, looking ahead to the start of the season in just a few weeks, it'll be off to the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg on March the 5th, a race that you won when you, at that time, was the youngest winner in IndyCar history. That race has become special on the calendar because everybody gets upbeat, excited. It's IndyCar's version of spring break. It's developed its own atmosphere and feel. How great of an event is that? Yeah, it's really cool. Um, you know, it's super cool. So I am uh, I, I love St. Pete. Uh, it's a great way to kick off the year every year. Um, you know, and, and, and for me, you know, to get back there, I think, you know, I'm, I feel reinvigorated, like re-energized this year a little bit. Uh, to get back out there and, and and get going, so I'm definitely excited for you know for what we have ahead of us, and I you know it all does start right there in St. Pete. So um, you know one test in thermal, you know, and then we're we're right there. Uh, not a whole lot of time to figure things out this year, but uh, we'll be all right. Speaking of thermal, what did you think of having the test at a place that's basically a millionaire motorsports enthusiast? Uh, housing development, country club, gated yeah. community, whatever, with a race course around it. Well, I'm, I'm, I was happy, you know, because, you know, frankly, I don't know how many more times I can go to Sebring, um, you know, and, and, and it was a good change of pace, I think, for a lot of us. You know, we, we did it at Dakota and, you know, we've been to a, a variety of different places, but, you know, first time at Thermal and, you know, Southern California, Palm Springs weather is always very consistent, really good. So, you know, I think in that regard, it was uh, it's a good pick. Is that the type of place you may be interested in purchasing a, a lot Hell, one day? Bruce, I can't afford thermal. I can't afford thermal. But uh, no, uh, you know, no, I, you know, I, I should never say no. But, uh, you know, I've been out there. I've done a lot of development. We did some of the NSX, Acura NSX development out there and some other things. So I've certainly been around it. Um, but uh it's, it takes a, it takes a big a big check to stroke to uh, to be a thermal. I know you well enough to know that you demand the most of yourself of anybody. So where do you see things entering twenty twenty three? What you believe you can accomplish, and yeah. and how much you really feel that you know you need to get back to that performance level you had in 2015, 2016? Well, yeah. Look, I I I feel really good this year. Um, you know, I, I think that we've, uh, you know, on the team side, uh, things are shaping up well. On personal life side, everything's been great. And, you know, and so, you know, for me, I feel I feel like I'm in a good place. Obviously, you know, the years are rolling on for me in a, in a big way. But, uh, you know, I'm excited to get out there. I, you know, I don't think that we ever lost our, our form necessarily. I think, you know, we as a team, we, we've struggled through some things. Um, I think as everybody else has evolved and gotten a little better over the last couple of years, we, you know, we frankly haven't. Um, and I think there's been, you know, some things that have held us back a little bit, some distractions, focusing on the wrong things and stuff like that. Uh, and I feel like this off season, we've redirected a lot of that energy into a better place. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm happy and I'm excited to see what can, what can happen. How much has the addition of Christian Lungard, last year's Rookie of the Year, really helped push the team even further? Well, I mean, Christian, you know, Christian's done a wonderful job, for sure. Um, you know, I, I think having youth in there kind of pushes the other drivers more than maybe it does the, the team necessarily. I think in year one, you know, as a rookie, there's not a whole lot of expectation, so it's kind of easy to, to meet. 
um, that. Uh, year two is going to be a challenge, you know, for everybody. But, you know, I think on the engineering side, I think we just made some good good moves in the offseason, got some good data, got some good information. And I think that's going to push us forward in, in, a, in a big way. And, of course, you're a three-car team once again. And the third car last year maybe didn't uh, perform as as well as the team would have liked. What do you expect out of that ride this year? Well, you know, it's a, it's a challenge, you know, as I just said for Christian, you know, you go into last year and there's not a lot of expectation. There's not a lot of, you know, hey, the car should feel like this or it should do this or do that. Whereas for Jack, it was the opposite. You know, Jack knew what a fast car should feel like. Um, and uh, and our car didn't. And, uh, you know, to get over that mental challenge is, is not easy for anybody. Um, we weren't able to improve the car enough for him to his liking throughout the year. So, you know, that was kind of a shame. But I, but I expect a lot, you know, from Jack and Alan and, you know, in their group uh, this year. One of the big supporters of Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing is Hy-V. Once again, they've announced a power pack lineup for the Hy-V IndyCar weekend at Iowa Speedway. When you see the effort and the level of commitment that that company has shown for IndyCar, you guys really hit a home run bringing them into the sport. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, we're very fortunate. Uh, Randy and, you know, Matt and uh, the entire group, Aaron, Jeremy, everybody have uh, been... They've been awesome, you know. Donna and marketing, she's she's the queen. She she really makes things happen, and so uh, you know we're very appreciative of them. Man, you look at that list of of individuals for the concerts. It's hard to believe that's on a race weekend in Newton, Iowa, but uh, here we go. So, uh, you know, I, I I know that the pricing and stuff has been a topic of conversation, but the overall, you know, weekend overall entertainment you're going to get out of the you know doubleheader weekend with four amazing concerts. I mean, Ed Sheeran and. You know, Carrie Underwood, and obviously I'm a big Zach Brown fan, so excited about that. But, um, you know, I think that we we knocked it out of the park, you know, with them as a partner, and, and we got to keep them for a long time. Well, Harry Styles performed in Palm Springs when IndyCar was out there for content days. The tickets for that were a lot more expensive than what they are at Iowa Speedway. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, I think we're, we're you know, the traditional race fan, I get it. You know, I, I get it, right? They're, they're looking at it with just that, but this isn't a traditional race weekend. And, uh, you know, I know if you go to a concert, many different concerts, you're going to pay a lot more than that. And yet here you are, you're getting four concerts plus, you know, uh, plus two races. But look, at the end of the day, I think it's uh, it feels a little bit organic in today's world to just find something to complain about. <laughs> you know, when people are doing amazing, good, you know, good things out there, there's a, there's a whole reason to to come up with a couple of things that, that aren't great. And, you know, that that seems to be our, the world that we live in. Does it amaze you that one day you've got on Twitter IndyCar fans complaining that IndyCar doesn't market enough, and then the next day, here's a company like Hy-Vee that's coming in and aggressively marketing, and they complain about that it should be marketed for the race only and traditional race fans. It's almost like you can't win. Well, that's what I mean. That's what I was just saying. You're not going to win. You know, so what we're going to do is continue to try to move the needle. Uh, you know, I think Hy-Vee's done a great job with that, obviously. You know, your big goal, your big mindset and everything else is to grow the sport outside of a traditional race fan. We want to harness traditional race fans. We want them to be around. We want to keep pleasing them. But we also need to bring in some youth. I had a friend who lives out in the middle of nowhere in, in Nebraska that's not a race fan, just um, known, you know, known him since school and uh, texted me and said, hey, uh, we're going to come to Iowa this year. We saw that concert lineup. We're excited to see a couple of races and all those concerts. That's the people that you're trying to tag into. You get them to the races. You get them hooked. We can grow the sport for the future. As a father, after a bad weekend, does that just kind of change the world when you get back to your daughter? 
Oh yeah, you know both both my little girls, but uh, you know Harlan in particular, just because of her age. Obviously, she's two, so she's got a lot of energy and a lot of character. You know, Tenley girls, she's you know she's she's only what five months old, so kind of fresh. But uh, yeah, I mean it makes it makes things a lot uh, a lot better. It all, I think it just puts life in perspective too. You know, they they have no expectation. You know, they don't know what's going on, and uh, you know they're just super excited when you're around. How much? Ohio State clothing have you gotten for your two girls? Not much yet. Not much. Um, I think only Harlan has, you know, has like one one little cheerleader outfit and that's it. But uh, I don't really want to talk Ohio State, Bruce. So th- that still stings a little bit for me. Uh, I do have to ask you this, since a lot of the IndyCar fans are in Indianapolis and they're Indianapolis Colts fans, do you believe that C.J. Stroud will end up being the quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts in the NFL draft. You know, I hope he, I hope he is, um, you know, with, you know, with, with Paris and, uh, yeah, obviously I think they need to get, uh, they need to get some more weapons on the outside. I mean, you get Jonathan Taylor's as good as they get. The O-line could obviously this year didn't play great, but the guys, the talent is there. You know, you're going to need some receivers for him for sure. But there's, there's this young guy named Marvin Harrison Jr. The year after that, if, the Colts can somehow put those two back together. I can tell you that's a lethal combination. And, uh, you know, for me, um, living in Indy, but obviously as a Buckeyes fan, CJ, I think CJ could do an amazing job. But how damn cool would it be to have Marvin Jr. there, you know, wearing the same number as his pops and everything. I'm, I don't even know if they retired the number, but I'm sure they could bring it back uh, with an exception here. So uh, be pretty awesome. Now for the Chicago Bears fans who may be listening, Michael Lanigan, of course, is a huge Chicago Bear fan. Justin Fields, another former Buckeye, he's really proven to be one of the most electrifying players in the NFL. He's he's a great, he's a hell of a player. I mean, I, I, that's why I laugh. Everybody said, "Oh, no, guy can't throw the ball." I can't. You couldn't throw the ball if you're on the run all the time, too. You know, if you're running for your life. I mean, I, you know, I watched one game. I think it was the Eagles, and I mean, they had like six sacks in the first half. I mean, you know, I was joking with a buddy that you know some of the offensive linemen needed needed flex seal because they were so leaky and. Uh, it's, it's true, you know, it's just crazy to watch that, um, you know, but yeah, yeah, you know, he's a hell of a player, but again, same thing, you know, you, you got to get the weapons around you to, you know, to, to, to fulfill it. I mean, if you look at guys like Brady and everybody, sure, they make people better around them, but they also had the weapons. I mean, you know, Brady with um, obviously Edelman and, and uh, Amendola for a while, and you had Randy Moss there, and the list kind of goes on of, of, of studs around you, you know, uh, Gronk, obviously. Um, you know, you got to build that up and, and the bears, you know, everybody's talked about, you know, the amount of salary cap space they have. I mean, they got to go do it. They got to go get the guys, but all this talk of trading Justin away. I mean, I just don't understand why the hell you would do that. Uh, I, I don't believe it to be true, but I don't even understand why the hell that'd be a consideration. So, uh, we'll see. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Good luck in the 2023 NTT IndyCar series season. And Graham Rayall, thank you for joining us today yeah. on Pit Pass Indy. Absolutely, thank you. Next up is Kyle Kirkwood, who was a rookie driver for AJ Foyt Racing in 2022 after climbing the ranks with Andretti Autosport on the Road Indy ladder system. Kirkwood has moved back to Andretti Autosport, only this time in IndyCar. The young driver from Florida is prepared for a breakout season in 2023 and joins me for this exclusive Pit Pass Indy interview. 
Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is one of the young drivers of the NTT IndyCar Series in his first season with Andretti Autosport, but his second season in IndyCar, it's Kyle Kirkwood, driver of the number 27 Honda at Andretti Autosport. Your career has been with Andretti and other formulas coming up through the ranks. You spent last season, your rookie year with A.J. Foyt Racing. You're back to Andretti Autosport now in the NTT IndyCar Series. So how would you describe your path to get to this ride? You knew it was going to happen, but it wasn't going to be your first ride in IndyCar. Yeah, uh, which is which was um, unexpected. Every every turn that I've made, I feel like in motorsports has been an unexpected turn, right? Um, all through the the formula categories, all the way up through Indy Lights with the hiatus and whatnot, and joining AJ Foyt Racing for uh, for the 2022 season as well. Um, all all of it was was kind of a surprise and. Um, I've had to take it year by year, but uh, at the end of the day, we've we've come full circle, and I'm back with Andretti Autosport, a team that I know so well. A lot of people look at it as my first year with them, but it's really not. I mean, I know the team, I know the mechanics, I know the engineers, and it's uh, nothing new to me. So uh, it's made the transition very easy, and um, I'm ready to kick it off with them. How valuable was your year with AJ Foyt Racing, though? It's a team that may not have all the resources than Andretti Autosport has, but sometimes you learn more by starting off the team like that. I mean, honestly, it was a, um, it was a fantastic thing for me. And, uh, I, I hope, I hope they can say the same to be honest, because, um, I hope this has set them up for success here, here in the future with, with the 2022 season that we had. Um, I know that there's been a lot of changes there and whatnot. So, uh, I hope I was, I was part of that for, for better. Um, but yeah, it was super important. The, the stuff that I learned there between race strategy and, and pit stops and um, understanding the dynamics of the car and w- what places to actually focus to work on the car is, uh, is all stuff you don't get to learn in the junior categories. And um, this is, um, it was a very, very important year for me. And I'll be able to take all the knowledge that I now have and, and uh, hopefully translate it into some some good finishes with Andretti Autosport. In the junior categories, driving for Andretti Autosport, you got to know Mario Andretti. Then last year with A.J. Foyt Racing, you got to know A.J. Foyt. The two biggest names in the history of IndyCar racing, what do you take away from each legend? I mean, uh, they're both legends in different ways, right? Um, A.J. is just a, he's a brute, I, I, I would say. He is a, he is a strong guy and he doesn't, he doesn't visualize pain and he doesn't visualize failure, I guess you could say. And, uh, when you look at, when you look at Mario, he's more of a, uh, more of a precise person. And, uh, he's always looking for precision and excellence when AJ is more a, uh, just give me whatever car and I'll go make sure it wins races, you know? Um, so they're very different, different in that sense. And that translates to everything they do in life. I feel like. Do you learn as much from Mario Andretti and how you should represent the team and yourself out of the race car as much as the way you represent it in the race I, car? I, f- I feel like um, everything he does is is something that I should I should look at and and try and represent right because he's still a guy that loves motorsports comes to all these races he's in his eighties now and he still will sit there for two hours and and talk with fans and sign autographs and takes take photos you know um, it's um, it's incredible what what the guy does and um, I, I hope uh, I hope when I'm older, I can, I can be just like him. Driving for team owner Michael Andretti, the guy is in the middle of expanding his effort, even trying to get a Formula One team. And 
when you see the ambition that he has as a team owner and what he wants to do in auto racing, how inspired are you to be part of that? Uh, extremely. You know, this is a, this is a big moment for Andretti Autosport with, um, with the Formula One efforts, uh, the IndyCar efforts, uh, new building going up. It probably might be the biggest motorsport facility I think the world has, you know. Um, so it's um, it's a great time to be part of Andretti and Andretti Global because um, big things are happening and I can't wait to be a part of it. There's a youth movement going on at Andretti Autosport with the drivers. Roman Grosjean is the oldest driver on the team. This is his second season with Andretti Autosport. The longest tenured driver, I guess you would call him the team leader, is Colton Herta. He's 22. Both you and Devlin DeFrancesco are older than the team leader. How unique is that? No, you're right. I mean, Colton is uh, is, is the youngest driver, but he's the one with the most experience, and he's probably the uh, most versed driver on the team. So um, I'm looking forward to it, to be honest, because... Uh, it, the age is, <laughs> I hate to say it, but age, is, it really is just number when it comes to motorsports. I mean, it's it's what you know uh, with, with the car and whatnot. So that's why ultimately he's the one that we're going to reference and we're going to baseline off of for the, for the most part. So it's it's good to have him. Yeah, it's a youth movement. Yeah, we're, we're all, most of us are young drivers except for Roman. Um, but we all have an extreme wealth of knowledge and uh, we've got a team that also has a wealth of knowledge to back us up. What's the dynamic like between the three young drivers? Uh, it's fun. It's a fun atmosphere, right? We're very similar, uh, the, the way we've grown up, the karting. I mean, I've known, I've known, um, uh, Colton and Devlin since karting. I was actually on a karting team with Devlin in, in 2008, 2009. So, um, we know each other really well. We've known each other since we were growing up. So we have very similar views on, on, uh, motorsports as a whole. Right. Um, so it's fun. What's the dynamic like with you and Roman? Uh, that's, that's still yet to be, um, to be established. I, f I feel like, I think, uh, Roman is, is a person with, um, tons of knowledge, right? He's comes from many different forms of motorsports coming from F1. He's, he's the one that, um, is kind of, I feel, I feel like is headlining development because he's the one with all the, all the knowledge. And, um, it's, it's going to be interesting, right? I mean, we, we got three really young drivers and then we, we have Roman who's, um, an older driver. He's not super old, but he's, uh, he's, um, He's towards, uh, I, I get he's close to four years old. He's right there. He's right there with Will Power, Dixon, and whatnot. He's he's that older generation in sports. So uh, he's the only one that I guess might have the mentality uh, of of that versus us young drivers. You came from Indy Lights and drove the Indy car. What was the biggest transition? Uh, the biggest transition is the tires, going from the Cooper tire, which it's now a Firestone tire. Um, and Indy Lights and, and moving up to the Firestone IndyCar tire was a very different sensation. Um, so I'm curious to see what happens with Indy Lights now that they're running Firestone. I, I, I'm curious to see what happens with the drivers and how they translate both of them back and forth. Do you think that will help their transition? I'm not sure. Um, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you that because I feel like the Cooper tire era made such good drivers and... It will be interesting to see what happens now that they're back with Firestone. As far, though, as you say, the tires were different, but in what ways? Uh, how do you uh, describe to, our, to a race fan how they were different? Yeah, they're, they're different in the sense that they make grip, right? Um, to, to not get too uh, in-depth with data and, and dynamics and physics, uh, it just makes a ton of lateral and longitudinal grip, which it, it, both of those combined 
um, means it's a much different tire compared to the Cooper. The Cooper is either you have lateral or you have longitudinal. As soon as you combine them both together, it doesn't like it. And then uh, when you go to IndyCar, you then have the variable on road and street courses of red tires versus black tires. The red tires, softer compound built for speed, less durability. Black tires, harder tires, last longer, but don't have the same grip. So how big a challenge is that as a race driver who's not used to that? You know, it is it's uh, it is a challenge, but I'd say that most of the challenge comes from not having a ton of experience on them, right? You go and run red tires for about three or four laps, and then you go and run them again, and they're like, oh, well, these aren't new tires, you know, so you don't get a lot of time to really hone in on exactly what the tire does on, on a specific weekend. So you got to be quick with it. And um, they change per weekend. The uh, Firestone changes the tires um, weekend week by weekend. And sometimes they last longer, sometimes they don't. So you got to be ready for any situation. Other than racing, what are some of the things that Kyle Kirkwood likes to do away from the track? I, I'm a big surfer. Um, I love surfing. And anytime there's waves in South Florida, which is not, not a super... Uh, not a super common occurrence, um, but at any time I get a chance, I'm surfing, I'm in the water, um, whether, and also fishing, diving, spear fishing, stuff like that is a, uh, another big part of my life. And wrapping up here with Kyle Kirkwood of Andretti Autosports, season's almost here, the March 5th Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg, a racetrack you're very well familiar with. How do you describe how the anticipation level of knowing that you're about to start the season with Andretti Autosport? It's uh, it's cool because St. Pete is actually kind of a home track to me, right? I'm I'm from Jupiter, Florida, which is about two three hours away car drive, so I'll have a lot of friends and family. It's just on the other coast from from St. Petersburg, and um, to start off with a team that's had tons of success at St. Pete in a in the same era car that we're in right now is going to be. Um, is going to be really nice. It kind of takes some weight off your shoulders because you're like, you know, you're going to show up to the track and be quick, um, which is a cool sensation to get back into. And I'm really looking forward to it. How often do you bump into Rick Mears, a friend of the show and a friend of IndyCar racing who also lives in Jupiter? Not, not as often as I wish. Um, you know, the first time I actually re met Rick Mears is he took me for a ride around IMS uh, this past year. Um he, he facilitated it through, or I guess uh, Scott Harner facilitated for me to get in the car with Rick Mears and um, fortunate enough to do some laps around there. And uh, I wish I bumped into him some more in Jupiter. He's only, man, he's got to be two miles away from me in a straight line. So Kyle Kirkwood driver, of the number 27 Honda at Andretti Autosport. Good luck this season. And thank you for joining us today on pit pass Indy. Cool. Thank you so much. Let's wrap things up with one of the rookie drivers in this year's NTT IndyCar Series. It's Stingray Rob, a 21-year-old from Payette, Idaho, who joins Dale Coyne Racing in 2023. Rob was impressive climbing the ladder and is confident he deserves to be at the top rung in IndyCar. He joins me for this exclusive Pit Pass Indy interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is our rookie in this year's IndyCar Series, driving for Dale Coyne Racing. It's Stingray Rob. First of all, do I call you Sting or Mr. Rob? Stingray is my first name, so that's usually what I go by. But Stingray, you're getting a chance to achieve your goal driving in the NTT IndyCar Series. You're driving for one of the longest-running teams with Dale Coyne Racing. 
just what's the excitement level like for you? Through the roof. Um, like you said, I'm living a childhood dream. So to be able to do that with a team with so much history of developing young drivers, young talents, it's pretty special. And to learn from, from Dale is awesome as well. I mean, he's got a lot of experience um, behind the wheel as well as at the racetrack. So I think that David and I will be a good pairing this year. Um, he just went through his rookie season last year, so I can learn a thing or two ahead of time and not have to go through the motions like he did. Um, so it should be good. Do you find him to be one of the more interesting team owners in the series? Because like I said, he goes back a long way into the sport, but he's also a team owner that knows how to get the most out of his resources. He doesn't have the budgets of a Team Penske or Chip Ganassi Racing, but yet if things are right, he has cars out there that can beat them. That's absolutely right. Well, and I think that because Dale knows the sport so well, he's able to utilize his resources, like you said, and be flexible and adapt quickly and change directions quickly. Whereas some of the bigger teams, they're maybe oversized. They have the resources and they have the personnel, but maybe sometimes I can slow down a process and they can't adapt as quickly. They can't change directions like Dale can. And so I think having that ability to adapt and overcome um, plays a big role in how he competes year to year. You were one of the late additions to the IndyCar lineup. You got your ride with Dale Coyne relatively just a little while ago. If you could maybe describe and walk us through the process of how you were able to get the ride. It was a long off season. I'll say that right now. Um, during the off season, I was in Indianapolis training at PitFit. And Linus Lundquist is a driver that also trains there. And I thought that he was a shoe-in for that seat with Dale Coyne because he won the Indy Next Series. Um, and with the association between HMD and Dale Coyne, I figured that that would be a perfect seat for him. Um, but upon returning to Pit Fit, talking to Linus and finding out that he didn't have a ride this year, was still working on it, I immediately called my manager, Peter Rossi. And Peter got on the phone to Dale. Um, we talked about availability. And that's when the conversation started. And then through the off-season, a few other things occurred. So there was uh, a journalist who called me and then, eventually converted to, to Dale that I was signing with another team, um, potentially. And I think that lit a fire under both of our seats to get a deal done. Then we had the test early January, and that went really well, really, really well at Sebring. And uh, I think that that was the final nail in the coffin for signing this year. And as far as when you look at Linus, Linus had a great season last year, won the Indy Lights Championship as the series was known then. The scholarship amount wasn't was half of what it normally was. And here he is trying to find a ride. So in any ways, you being able to get the ride, does it make your relationship with Linus, does it make it uncomfortable? Or is it just a matter of in racing, you got to go for an open seat? Linus, Linus and I are competitors and we're competing on and off the racetrack. I mean, we're fighting for the same seats. We're fighting for the same positions on the track. And so as much as I respect Linus and as much as he deserves the seat, I wouldn't give it up for him. Um, I don't feel guilty about anything because I did my job. I did what I could and the people around me did their job. And that's what it takes. It takes a lot of hard work and dedication from anyone um, on the team to get a final deal done to go to IndyCar, let alone win an IndyCar. So we're working on that next. Now you've got the opportunity and your teammate is David Malukas, who had a great rookie season last year. Two young guys with Dale Coyne Racing. How excited and upbeat is the future to what you two can accomplish this year? I think it's going to be amazing. I think that we're both super ambitious. Um, we have recent histories that are similar. And so it's going to allow us to work together really well. We're speaking the same language, as some may say. 
Um, so when it comes to being in the engineering room together, we're going to be able to build a car around us that is similar. Um, but I think that, you know, having two young guns, as we've termed ourselves, is exciting and it allows us to draw attention to the team um, and the results are going to come. I think that we're going to work well together. Driving the Indy Next cars, it's known this year, and stepping up to the Indy car, it's going to be a heavier car. It's going to be a faster car. What are some of the things you need to prepare yourself for before we reconvene to start the season at the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg on March the 5th? The driving style is fairly similar from car to car. Um, the Indy Next car, you have to wrestle it around the racetrack a bit more. And I'll tell you what, the first day that I got in the Indy car felt very natural, very comfortable because it felt like an Indy Next car that went faster and did what you wanted it to do. Um, and so that was very nice to have that and not have to overthink driving the car, you know, first time in it. Um, but on the things I need to work on, physical fitness is one that I've been trying to focus on during the off season because we don't have a lot of on-track activity. And the best way to prepare yourself is to drive the car. Um, but we don't have that luxury. So I've been going to Pit Fit. Um, Jim Leo there's created a great program for drivers to improve their physical fitness so that we can drive on a second nature, subconscious level inside the car, as well as the strategy side. That's something that I want to work on. Um, but Dale Coyne, like you've said, has a lot of experience in the series and he's got a lot of knowledge on how to strategize and make calls quickly and how the timing of everything rolls together. So pit stops and strategy are going to be a big role this year. You live in Indianapolis. Dale Coyne Racing is based in Plainfield, Illinois, which is off I-55, a southwest suburb of Chicago. So how often are you driving up and down I-65 to go up to the shop? And what do you get done when you're up there with them? Most recently, uh, I've been there a few times in the last month, just doing pit stop practices, signing with the team, etc., and we'll see if that continues. I'm sure I'll earn my own lane on that highway at some point during the year, heading up and down. Um, but luckily, my engineer is based in Brownsburg, Indiana, which is close to Indianapolis. And so we won't have to go too far to meet together, but it should be good. Are there times you wish Dale was in Indianapolis? Absolutely. I mean, if Dale was at you know, my back door, per se, in Indianapolis, it would be nice. I could just run over there every day. But maybe he does that on purpose. He doesn't want a driver in there every day bugging him too much. But I like to be able to go up there maybe once a week, twice a week, learn a thing or two, and work on some pit stops. Well, I also think in a lot of ways, Dale Coyne benefits by being away from the noise of Indianapolis, where he's able to do his own thing up there in Chicago in the southwest suburbs where everybody else in Indianapolis and the IndyCar community, it's hard to keep any secret secret. That's true. Well, and I think that allows him to, to keep his workers focused. There's not a lot of distractions going on there. So I think it does have its benefits and also its curses. Um, and I don't really know what all those are yet. I'll be learning those throughout the season. So you're from Idaho. And earlier today, you revealed what you and... Baseball Hall of Famer Harmon Killebrew have in common. If you could recite that to our listeners. Yeah. So recently, um, I got on Wikipedia and um, my obviously looked up myself, wanted to see if there's any new news on there that I didn't know about myself already. And I noticed that I was a notable alum from Payette High School, which is also the high school that Harmon Killebrew is from. So if you go to the Payette High School Wikipedia, there's two notable alumni there. And it's me and Harmon Killebrew. So that was pretty awesome to see. Of course, Harmon Killebrew played for the Washington Nationals at that time before they became the Minnesota Twins. One of the all-time leading home run hitters of his era used to be known for parking them in the upper deck. You played baseball. How deep could you go? Uh, I was not a Harmon Killebrew. That's why I'm a race car driver. Well, let's just say that. But 
I did love playing the sport and it's a really cool sport to, you know, play in a town like that where you have a legend um, living there in a, in a past life. You also came up through karting. And how valuable was that to get you to this point in your racing career? Karting teaches you a lot in motorsports. It teaches you how to handle adversity, um, basic driving techniques, as well as how to tune a race car at a basic level, basic mechanical level. Um, you're not dealing with dampers or anything like that. You're not dealing with aerodynamics, but you are dealing with how the car flexes, how that feels to a driver, but it also teaches you racecraft. You know, I say that racing um, go-karts is probably one of the purest forms of motorsport because it's the rawest that you can get. There's not a lot of fluff around it. And when you see drivers going wheel to wheel in a go-kart, that means that they're on the limit and they're less than an inch apart at times, banging wheels, trying to figure out who's going to be in the lead. How many of the drivers in IndyCar right now have you competed against in the latter series, especially Indy Lights? Oh, man. Um, I've competed against David Malukas, my teammate. We grew up go-karting together. Um, Colton Hurd is another driver I go-karted with. Pato Award. Um, let's see, who else do we have? There's probably a few other guys I can't name off the top of my head, but I've definitely seen a few of them at the racetrack. In a lot of ways, is that proof that even though it may not give a direct uh, starting point into IndyCar, but in many ways, the ladder series does work? Absolutely. I think the ladder series is a great example of what could be done for uh, a driver. I mean, you see drivers year after year moving their way up, but it, it's not a straight shoe-in, as we've said. Um, you got to work your way up and earn it a little bit. And even then, it's not a perfect you know, one-to-one -one ratio. So it definitely takes a lot to get into IndyCar. And finally, a race course you're familiar with is going to kick off the season on March the 5th with the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. What's that course like? How challenging is it for you as a race driver? And how excited are you to know you're going to get started in IndyCar Series race in just a few weeks? It's always interesting to start the year at a street course of all places with concrete walls that are higher than the eye can see in an IndyCar. Um, but definitely some of the things to, to think about there are, are the paint and changing surfaces and how that affects the car handling. Because when you're crossing different aggregates of asphalt, et cetera, it changes how the car handles, where the grip's at, front and rear, et cetera, how the brakes are gonna lock or not lock. And so you kind of have to figure out a way to manipulate the car at different times during a, a corner, whereas other tracks might be more consistent. And I think that's what makes St. Pete so much fun because you have the crown of the road, the different surfaces, you have, um, different weather conditions. I mean, St. Pete is definitely a changing track. We see every year where drivers are complaining um, about a loose car at the beginning of the race and then a tight car at the end of the race. And there is no middle ground. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that handles this year. And before I let you go, what are some of the things that race fans may want to know about Stingray Rob? What are some of the things you like to do other than race? Well, growing up in Idaho, we obviously had our fair share of adventures, but I played sports going up through high school and middle school, uh, basketball, baseball, uh, I, I golfed a little bit. Snow skiing is definitely one of my favorite activities. Um, lots of adventures in the mountains, hunting, hiking, skiing, fishing. Um, I like spending time outside. So being in Indianapolis is not the best place to do that, but at least they have good race cars. So how good of a fisherman were you? <laughs> I won't claim too much greatness there, but I did like, you know, summer bass fishing and um, hopping in the kayak and floating down the river sometimes. Well, Stingray Rob is going to be ready to catch a big catch this year in the NTT IndyCar Series. Good luck on your rookie season, and thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy. We want to thank our guest, six-time NTT IndyCar Series champion Scott Dixon of Chip Ganassi Racing, 
Pato Award and Alexander Rossi of Arrow McLaren, Colton Herta of Andretti Autosport, Graham Rahal of Rahal Letterman Lanigan Racing, Kyle Kirkwood of Andretti Autosport, and rookie driver Stingray Rob of Dale Coyne Racing for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. And because of our guests and listeners, Pit Pass Indy is proud to be the winner of the best podcast by the National Motorsports Press Association. Be sure to tune in next week when we welcome in a new partner to create Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. It's an exciting new partnership that will take the show to a new level. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin, and final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.